all look lovely this morning. Somebody, you're welcome. Oh, that was, that was before I saw the Steelers. <laughs> we love you. Somebody must be celebrating this morning. I know there's at least one person in here who is celebrating National Monopoly Day. Anybody? Come on, does anybody love that game? You, you would love that game. I could see that in you. I do not love that game. But I am counting my blessings today because my husband loves me a little bit more today than he did seven years ago when we got married. And I know this because my favorite show of all time, I have been trying to get him to watch one episode for seven years, and he says no. And I mean, and I know the entire series, I mean, I can, I will time myself. I watch this show like at least probably, at least once a month now, but I mean, I've watched it for the past 50 years of my life, you know, and I can tell you, I will time myself when I throw on an episode, when I want to be happy, I'll throw on an episode and I will time myself how many seconds it takes me to figure out what episode it is. That's how well I know this series. And don't you know that this week... Pastor Marlin watched the Brady Bunch with me. (laughs) And of course, I picked the best episode, Marsha's Nose. He didn't even play on his phone. So he loves me more today. Let's do our declaration. Father God, I thank you that I prosper in all things and in health even as my soul, mind, will, and emotions prospers. Three, John, two. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that we do prosper. We prosper in all things, and you didn't leave anything out, Lord. We prosper in our minds and in our souls and in our bodies in Jesus' name, and we are in health emotionally, physically, financially, and spiritually. God, we surrender the rest of this time and the service belongs to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Open the eyes of our understanding, God, and enlighten us to the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that we receive it and that it takes root and we walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever found found yourself accidentally in the wrong area, like a sketchy area, like, you know, you really didn't expect to be there and you don't know how to get out? Well, so when cell phones just came out, they did not have... Uh, GPS for all you young people out there. They didn't have uh, internet, I should say. So when the, um, I was in my early 20s and I had to go to Cincinnati for work for the very first time. I'd never um, been there. And it's downtown Cincinnati. So um, I waited till you know, the kids went to bed. And so I went late that Sunday night. I'd be there for Monday morning. Um, and I printed the map because that's what you did back then. I don't know how to read a map. So I printed directions. And I got there, kind of, and got lost. I knew I was only within minutes because it was the time amount, you know, how long it was supposed to take me to get there. I had went that far. So I was like, I don't know where I'm at. And the further I kept going, the sketchier, unwelcoming it seemed. 
Like, these people were, like, in the streets. There wasn't, I, I didn't really see any cars around, um, but, I mean, I saw people walking around, like, in the street. They didn't care if I came up to the red light. You know, I was, I was scared. I was scared. So I pulled over. There was a CVS. So I pulled in the parking lot. I did not get out of the car. I just pulled in the parking lot, and I called 911 and asked for the Cincinnati Police Department. How else am I going to get there? I don't know who else to call. It's 10.30 at night. And so they got on the phone. I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm lost. I'm supposed to be at this, you know, this, this office in this particular area, and, I'm, and I don't know. I know i got to be close. And the guy on the phone, he says, so where are you? Like, tell me the streets where you're at. I said, I'm on the corner in this parking lot of CVS of these two streets. And he said, okay, don't get out of your car. <laughs> I will guide you to where you go but just know that you don't want to be where you're at. So just, and he stayed on the phone with me and got me to my office. So I thought of that story when I was doing this message because I thought, so what makes a place unwelcoming? Is it poverty? What makes a place welcoming? Is it wealth? I found those answers, that answer in Bethany. Bethany was a place that Jesus visited often. In fact, it was a place that he chose to rest. He lodged there. He spent his nights there. Why Bethany? I mean, why not Bethlehem? You were born there. Why not Nazareth? That, Nazareth, that's where you were raised. Why not Jerusalem? You are the king of Jews. But no. Jesus chose Bethany. And I thought, well, God, I want to I be a Bethany. I want to be a place that you choose to dwell, not just visit. Amen. Yeah, that's good. In order to do that, we got to know why, right? Why did Jesus choose Bethany? Bethany, if you could show that map, is a village on the slope of the Mount of Olives. Right there, less than two miles from Jerusalem. Less than a 30-minute walk from Jerusalem. The village of Bethany is referenced five times in the Bible, five incidences in the Bible that are very significant to why our Savior chose for Bethany to be his resting place. And in order, the first one was um, the hospitality of Martha. Remember when Martha invited Jesus into her home and she was busy serving and she got mad at Mary because Mary sat at his feet. And then the next one was when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the brothers and sisters. And that was in Bethany. And then the triumphal entry. Did you know that was Bethany when Jesus said, go there and get that donkey for me from Bethany because I need to ride in to the city. He started that in Bethany. And then the anointing, right? The anointing, Mary anointed Jesus from head to toe. That was in Bethany. And then to top it all off, do you know that the ascension, Jesus was in Bethany with his disciples and the people, and they watched him 
go up to heaven from Bethany. So what did Jesus find in Bethany that drew him, that attracted him? Let's look at his friends first. Let's look at Martha. Luke 10, 38. And I, I like the Amplified in this particular passage, so I'm reading from the Amplified. Amplified. Now while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities, and she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken from her. Martha served. She invited Jesus. She invited the Savior into her home. And she served him. And no doubt she did it with excellence, right? No doubt or else she would not have been so anxious. Because see, by this time, Jesus had already done many signs and wonders and miracles. That was her friend. Jesus was a friend. She knew who was coming to her house. And she knew that took preparation, right? She knew that took preparation. Like Martha was cleaning, Martha made sure the house was spotless. And then Martha served him with excellence. And that's all good. I want you to see that part of the story. See, that part is good. We are to prepare for the Savior. We are are to serve him. And when I mean prepare, prepare your home. Because, see, this is your home. This is where he dwells now. Is your house clean? Because, see, I've got to clean mine every day. <laughs> it's not one and done. Is it? Is your spirit, is your soul, is, there, is it sinful? Are you inviting Jesus to a dirty house, which means a sinful house? Clean your house. And then serve. Martha served. Do we serve Jesus with excellence? With excellence. I like also what we can learn from Martha is Martha took correction and learned from it. Did you see Martha took that correction and this is how we know that she learned from it. When Jesus corrected her and told her at that moment, the good thing was what Mary was doing, Martha. But look what, well, look what we find in John eleven twenty seven. 27. Martha said, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. That was when Lazarus had died. And Jesus asked her, do you believe? She said, yes, I do believe. And then it goes on in John 12, too. This was at the anointing. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Yeah. Yeah. Look what she did again. 
We find Martha serving, and guess what? Mary was sitting at his feet, and Martha said nothing. She didn't complain this time because she received it. Jesus knew, and I'm talking about the, the Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, right? Because that's who he was at that time. Jesus knew that a place that prepares for him and serves him was a place that he was welcomed at. And that is what he found in Bethany. Do you serve him your best? God gave you his best. Right? Do you remember in Psalm 23 where he said, I prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies? And he said, your cup runs over. He gives us his very best. He's worth more than that quick bite to eat. That quick hallelujah on our way out the door. He's worth more than that. Serve him your best. Jesus knew that a place that would receive his correction and learn from it was a place that he was welcomed at. And that is what he found in Bethany. And if you are not hearing the voice of the Lord in his corrections, you need to check your heart because I hear him every day. (laughs) I heard him on the way to church. Right? On the way to church. I'm on the way to church, and uh, I went into Starbucks to get my coffee, and if you know me, I drink espresso like it's water. I waited 20 minutes, and they said, it'll be another 20 minutes. I was like, I can't wait. i got to get to church. I can't miss worship. So then I was like, I'll settle for Duncan. Duncan's line was wrapped around. I said, oh, sweet Jesus, and I'm a 45-minute drive to here. So now I'm like, i got to go 45 minutes without no coffee. This ain't right. And don't you know, at the same time, I'm listening to the song, Give Me Jesus, where you don't need anything else and you don't want anything else. That's what correction sometimes looks like, guys. And I said, okay, Jesus. Okay, no coffee today. There was Lazarus, was a friend. Look at John 11. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to jump around in this story because there's like 44 verses, so I'm going to start with verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was uh, Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end to death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Now jump down to verse 17. Now on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. And then jump down to 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he had been dead four days. But they took away the stone in verse 41. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here 
that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had done this, or when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. In Bethany. He called him a friend. He called him the one he loved, but yet he waited four days. They found him already wrapped in his grave clothes, placed in a tomb with a stone in front of it. Like, Lazarus was good and dead. Like, right? He was dead, dead. There was no denying that he was dead. And then this was a miracle that he chose in Bethany. What a witness Jesus found in Bethany. What a witness that he found in Bethany. He waited four days so that the glory of God could be shown in the glory of the Son. He did that for Bethany. He did that for Bethany because he found a witness in Bethany. Nowhere else in the Bible does it record such an extravagant display of the glory of God. Lazarus was a witness. In fact, so many that so many unbelievers came to believe in Jesus because of that, that they also, the religious leaders, sought to kill Lazarus. Jesus was no longer enough. It was Lazarus. Jesus knew a place that believed in him, permitted him to do what only he could do, was a place that he was welcomed at. That's right. That's good. That's what he found in Bethany. Be a witness. Be bold. Be bold in sharing what Christ has done for you. He, if you are born again, that is more than enough to be sharing with the world what Jesus has done for you. Like me personally, since recently, I can't wait for summer to come again so I can wear some tank tops and I hope somebody asks me what that scar is on my back. Please, somebody ask me so I can tell you what Jesus did for me. Display your love for Jesus. We find that the anointing, Lazarus, is found reclining with the Savior. That's what it says. Sitting at the table, reclining with him. He's like, yeah, that's the Savior. You know, I'm the one that he raised from the dead. After four days, I'm going where he goes. That's how you show your love for Jesus. And then we know that by showing our love for Jesus, we show our love for each other. So when people come to your house, what does it look like? What do they see? And what do they hear? Well, I tell you, when you come to my house, the first thing you will see when you walk in the door is you will see a wall of our children. We are one big blended family, and I, we just love our children. We want to express the love that we have for our kids. So we want people, when they come in the house, to ask us about our kids. Because we are going to tell you all the good things about them. We are not going to tell you all the bad. We are going to tell you all the good. Because we love our children. And then you go down, uh, down the stairs, a few stairs, and you're going to see uh, pictures about, well, of Marlon and me. 
like throughout our seven years. You're going to see those everywhere. Why? Because we want to witness our love for one another. We want to, we want to express that and see it be visible. Why do you get married? Because you want, I mean, why do you have a wedding? Because you want witnesses to your love. Be a witness to the love of Christ. Be a witness to what he has done. Be a witness to your salvation. Because that is what he found in Bethany. Jesus found a witness in Bethany. Then Mary, the other sister friend of God. Let's look at Luke 10:38. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. So first we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, lowly before him. It says continually listening, and she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. Sometimes we don't have to, right? Sometimes we just have to sit at his feet and listen. Do you notice she didn't even respond to her sister when her sister got right up to Jesus and said, hey, make her help me. She didn't defend herself. She didn't say a word. She didn't stop what she was doing, which was worshiping. Mm. She was worshiping. Then we find Mary, look at John 11, verse 21. This was after uh, Lazarus was dead for four days and the sisters approached Jesus. First, Martha says, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. But then look at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was in Solomon, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 35 says Jesus wept. What was the difference? These two sisters said the exact same thing, word for word. Had you been here, my brother would not have died. But yet when Mary said it, Jesus wept. But did you catch what Mary did when she met him? She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. She worshiped. She humbled. She lowered herself to the Savior. And then look at the anointing. Mark 14, 3 through 9. I actually have the amplified version. Again, I'm not sure if I gave that to you. So I'm going to read it from here. While he, this is Jesus, was in Bethany as a guest at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster vial, a very costly and precious perfume of pure nard. She broke the vial and poured the perfume over his head. But there were some who were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, a laborer's wages for almost a year, and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you bothering her and causing trouble? For she has done a good and beautiful thing to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do something good to them. But you will not always have me. And she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And I assure you and most solemnly say to you, wherever the good news regarding salvation is proclaimed throughout the world, what she has done will be told in a memorial of her. Wow. Mary worshipped. She worshipped unashamed. She worshipped completely abandoned, completely surrendered. She worshipped with all that she was. She sat at his feet. That demonstrates surrender. And notice again, she said nothing. She just did it. She didn't ask permission. She just did it. She took 12 ounces of oil that, that we just read that was like a whole year's salary. And she's a woman most likely didn't work back then. And she took it and she broke it open in front of everybody. Everybody. And poured it as it washed, as it went down his body, because think about how much oil that was. That wasn't even her house. She wasn't even at her house when she did this. They were at Simon the leopard's house. Why didn't Simon anoint him? Why didn't any of the other men anoint him? But nobody did. But Mary. She totally surrendered herself. She had a constant attitude of worship. Because she knew who the Savior was to her. And don't you know, when we have a constant attitude of worship, Jesus will share his heart with you. Do you notice that she knew something they didn't know? He said, Jesus said, she's anointing my body for burial. Had they known that, they wouldn't have been complaining, but they clearly didn't know. But when you worship the Savior, completely surrendered, he will share his heart with you. He will share his heart with you. He found, Jesus found a worshiper. Jesus knew a place that put worshiping him first at any cost was a place that he was welcomed at. And that is what he found in Bethany. And that is what we can find in Mary. That worship has to be a lifestyle. True worship is of the heart, and it is a lifestyle. What is Jesus worth to you? Because to Mary, he was worth everything. He was worth everything. Everything that she had was in that bottle of oil. Think of the, not just the, the, the cost of it, but then think of her surrender. She's at another person's house, and she takes upon herself to anoint the guest. And she's a woman. She let down her hair. Women weren't allowed to do that. They were not allowed to expose their hair. But she took her hair and wiped his feet. 
they could have done anything to her. She went against all the culture, all the norms, and she worshipped. She didn't care what they would have gonna do, could have done to her, would have done to her, because they could have done many things because she went against it all. Jesus found a true worshiper in Bethany. And then I found the meaning of Bethany a little odd at first until I dug deeper. The name of Bethany here in the scripture means house of mourning or poverty. Bethany was a place that they brought the sick to because they knew they were welcome there. Remember the anointing, Simon, the leper's house, right? Well, he couldn't have still been a leper because they wouldn't have been allowed in there. So he had to be a former leper, which means that he was healed of leprosy, most likely Jesus. Yeah. Bethany is a picture of spiritual poverty and brokenness and humility. And the Beatitudes make it clear to us that the presence of Christ is promised to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus knew a place that was spiritually hungry was a place that he was welcomed at. And that is what he found in Bethany. And then last, what he found in Bethany. I love this. Do you remember what I said that when um, he, he went to Bethany to, to get the donkey, sent his disciples to Bethany to get the donkey, and then he rode into Jerusalem, and then he went into the temple, and that is where he, he um, uh, that's where he overturned the tables, the money changers, and removed those that were buying and selling. His heart was grieved for Jerusalem, and he was hurting. But look at Matthew 21, 12 and what he did next. It says that he left them and went out of the city to Bethany. And he lodged there. He slept there. He was hurting at that time when he left Jerusalem, when he left the temple after what they did. What he saw in God's temple, he was hurting, he was angry. And he chose to go to Bethany because that's where he found rest. Jesus was the king of the Jews. He's the king of Jerusalem. Why not Jerusalem? That was his city. That was the city that he taught in. That was the city that he preached in. That was the city that he healed in. But he could not rest there. Just because you and I are children of God does not automatically make us the preferred resting place for the Savior. Multitudes of of devout Jews would travel daily to the temple in Jerusalem in search of the Spirit of God, and they didn't even know that he was resting just two miles 
in Bethany. Jesus loved the people of Jerusalem, but he couldn't dwell there. He couldn't stay there. He found rest in Bethany. And the difference between Jerusalem and Bethany were the people. The difference between a safe place back in Cincinnati and an unsafe place are people. No different than you and me. Jesus knew that he was physically safe, son of God, spiritually safe, I'm sorry, physically safe, the son of man, and spiritually safe, the son of God in Bethany. His presence was safe, he was cared for, he knew that he could go to sleep and he wouldn't wake up to corruption or sin. He was trusted, he was cherished, he was their focus. He had everyone's attention and devotion. And nowhere else in the Bible was he adored like he was in Bethany. The heart of Bethany is one who would rather die than to be without the presence of God. Bethany was shown the greatest honor, the greatest honor, Luke 24, 50 and 51. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. How amazing is that? To be that family, to be that, those that live there in that village, that they got to see the Savior get caught up into heaven. What an honor that was for Bethany. Do you know in the beginning, right, in the Garden of Eden, that that was God's plan? God dwelled with Adam and Eve. That was, that was the plan. That was the, that's what he always wanted. But now we know, but because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that he dwells in us. And Bethany shows us the kind of house, the kind of dwelling place that attracts the Savior. We found humility in the, in the house that was spiritually broken. For a, for a house that is needing Jesus, he is always close to those in need. To serve him, we have to prepare and clean our house and serve him with our best. And to be a witness, to always be willing to be a witness and not hide it, but be like Lazarus and be reclined right next to wherever Jesus is and worship to worship unashamed, to worship extravagantly, to worship with everything you have. What is he worth to you? Because we all have, if you're born again, you have Jesus in your heart. So yes, Jesus dwells with you. 
But are you a Bethany? You see, I want to be a Bethany. I want to be not just a dwelling place. I don't want to be just a visitation for Jesus. I want to be a habitation for him. I don't want to be a hotel, but I want to be a home. Two weeks ago, Pastor Marlon and I, we shared with you all on the four dimensions of God's love on how unmeasurable his love is for us. And now I share with you on how we love him back. It looks like Bethany. I want to be a home that Jesus can trust. I want to be a home that is humble, that he can trust, that I will not expose him to a life of sin. I want to be a home that knows, Jesus knows that he is safe and that he knows that his wants and desires come first and that he is worshipped and only he is worshipped. I want to be a place that knows, that he knows that I won't take for granted his love his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And we're going to start by being Bethany's right now. Because this song is called Make Me a Bethany. And Kristen's going to play because I, I really wanted Erica to be able to worship for once because she is so gracious and serves every week. Thank you. Worship peacefully the Savior as you hear these words if you want to be a Bethany like me. Make me a Bethany 
for the lamb I long to see is the only thing that's needed. The only thing that's needed. And just like Noah, I will listen and Sit and worship my King. 
found. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming today. We will always have prayer partners and our pastors up here to pray for you because we believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. And if you don't know Jesus, if you, if, he, if you are not a dwelling place for him yet, today is the best day of your life. As our pastors will pray for you, pray with you as you invite him into your heart, into your home. No longer a hotel, but a home. Thank you again. We love you. We bless you. Live right, love everyone, and pray hard.